Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martin Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this, on this exploration of faith during the time of continued crisis. And I am joined as always by the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing today? Hi, Lindsay. Um, very well. I just came out of a very um, time of of um, teaching with the baptism for t- class for tomorrow's baptism. And so I'm feeling quite um, inspired by the interaction and what we were talking about there. But generally, um, we are all been well. We've sadly had one death in the parish. Mrs. Merle Rayner, who died in hospital <clears throat> last night, and we ask God's rest upon her soul and comfort to her family. Uh, other than that, we are doing okay, God And yourself? Uh, I'm good. Um, we had a walk on the beach earlier today, um, and I remarked to Monique that we have had a walk on the beach at the same stage of infections with each of the phases of infections that we've or waves of infections that we've had. So we've had now, I think we've been doubling our infections for the last three days. And the same time in December, we went for a walk and the same time last March. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope this doesn't precede a, a severe lockdown. So, yeah. yeah. But other than that, we are well. Go. It was it was her birthday um, okay. in the week on the 10th. And yeah, it was it was lovely to share yet another one with her. Wonderful, wonderful. Congratulations to her. Thank you. Um, it is, of course, the third Sunday after Pentecost. You omitted to use a theme for this week, but I think it will come out in the discussion there's a definite theme between both readings, um, but if you could please call us all together with a collective prayer, and I'll catch up with you after that. Creator God, through your Son, you have planted the seeds of the kingdom in us. Grant us grace not to live for ourselves alone, and faith to labor for the harvest of the new creation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. The reading kicks off exactly where we left it last week. Um, so it's Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 6 to 17. I am only going to read from verses 16. For we are beside ourselves. It is for God if we are in our right mind it is for you for the love of christ controls us because we have concluded this that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised from now on therefore we regard no one according to the flesh even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
My question to you, Reverend, is do you remember the old Rodney, the Rodney before Rodney the priest? Yes, I I am very well acquainted with him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So in a way, what you're asking me is to give you a little bit of uh, a testimony of my life. Yeah, just and how it's changed, how it's evolved. Yeah. I would say that grounded in the life of the church, I was, my family were members at St. Mark's Church in Cape Town, and a lot of our life was centered around there. One of the aspects of involvement in the life of the church was my grandfather who was a member of the church lads brigade. And I saw when he prepared himself, uh, his uniform and how it sparkled and how he brushed up with brass. So the, 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 um, the buttons and, and polished everything and his dedication. He was very much a, a military minded man, but that was his dedication to the church. And so, Whenever we spoke about our family, it would be centered around the church. So there was a level of consciousness of God and not much and and family and not much beyond because we're living in an apartheid world where, you know, our our what's name was kicked out. I then then the 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 reality was us living from room to us you know, what township do you praise your children in and all that kind of stuff. At the age of 12, when it was, was confirmed, I had it more, um, more consciously, in a more awareness. And from that time onwards, I my life was centered. So I wasn't one. Oh, yeah, I loved my sport. And um, I played soccer. And mm. when I was a seminary, I played more. That was my love. But I was always in the church. That was the center of my life. My social life, my spiritual life was founded in the life of the church when we were living in Mitchell's Plain. It was like that there. So um, when I think of my wife, there's a similar kind of uh, life experience. The school, the church, your family in the community. We we didn't have, for, for, for the sake of ensuring we were safe, we we were, were were kept in such a way and schooled in such a way to avoid associate that. So my socialization was really the church, the soccer field, the cricket field, and uh, the family. Primary, I went where I was taught how to think more deeply theological. I became aware of my sense of call to pastoral care, especially for the elderly. Um, and in my school, uh, sorry, yeah, at school, but also more so at seminary, I became more politically aware and mm-hmm. needed to look back mm-hmm. and recognize my own pain in all of that. Um, so my life changed, not changed in the sense that I came from a very, very different kind of upbringing to where I am in the choice of life I make now. It was part of a continuum. Um, and and so my life was 
as it were, guided towards being um, part of the church in the way I am today, um, and also part of community in the way that I am today. Mm -hmm. And then, so, yeah, so it, it has changed, but in the sense that it's grown, the continuity. So developing my own voice in yeah. in the social in the social arena. Okay, um, I was going to ask. I mean, you were you were quite young when when you found Socially your calling as well. I was quite young when I had a sense of calling. Yeah, twelve years old was yeah. the age I gauged it at. So my my follow up question was going to be: Would the old Rodney have made it to heaven? But. <laughs> But um, I think, you know, the endearment for me is uh, an often quoted scripture by me. If anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. That's one of my, the texts that I, I have a sense of connection with. Yeah, we, we kind uh, of share a lot of the same upbringing. Like I was brought up in St. George's. Um, like I said, my mom used to walk us to church every Sunday. Um, and that was a big part of my life for a very long time. Um, but yeah, I, I was just thinking, I was, I was reflecting back on, on where I could once see a life within the church being like an active participant. Like I did some confirmation teaching and then I did some youth leading, but that was more to spend more time with, with Monique when she was youth leader. <laughs> Um, when she took over from from Jody, so I was very supportive in that. And then I know she was approached a few times to be um, a lay minister and that sort of thing. Uh, she obviously shares a a deeper relationship with Christ than I think I ever had or ever will. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a that like the the theme that I'm picking up. In, in the week's readings is this idea again that I, I, I'm fully against of like the kingdom of God being the end goal and then it doesn't matter what's getting done here. But I, 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 I still don't believe there's a strong enough argument for the current life within the church, like just being a mortal being human over trying to be more godly. Um, is is there a difference between, like, should Christians be striving to be more godly? Sometimes one works from what you think the end goal is backwards mm. in order to live your life towards that goal. Now, if the end goal was the grave, how does the grave inspire mm. me then to live my life. If the grave is about death and separation and whatever understanding I have me to live my life. And, and just to, I'm not saying others say this, but it would seem to me is that therefore I have to find everything that I possibly could find to do on this earth, be it right or wrong, helpful or unhelpful. I will then just do, do that because the end goal is that once I've completed my earth, the earthly, what's his name? It just falls out into this thing called the grave. And that's the, my, my, my goal is, um, is being into, is being sharing in the community of God. How do I do that now? So that's why issues like the justice 
of the, the justice of the kingdom of God is imperative to me. Mm. That's why things of your kingdom within me. Give me a sense of your reign. That's why things like the Lord's Prayer, when it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, now if I'm open to that kind of a reality. So I think, yes, godliness is something we look, we look towards growing. We look towards growing. That's why the narrative of the scriptures is so important for us. Uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature in my life. How do I get through that and what, what do I become? How do I transcend the ashes of the past, as somebody would have written, um, saying? So I think that at the end of the day, there is, uh, that though I enter into the night, I'm always looking forward to the morning. I'm always looking forward to the new day to a new start. Um, so I'm living with both the end, which is the night sleep, in order for me to be open to the new morn. Now, if the night sleep ends in death, then my new morn is the ultimate communion with God uh, and all that God is. So, so therefore, because that's my ultimate, I then say, what, what are the, what's the essence of this journey with me then? would be Jesus, um, would be openness to the Spirit of God, would be the church, the community of the church. But it will also be those that Jesus called the lesser of my sisters and brothers, the marginalized, the hungry, the, the abused, the victimized, um, in which I have to ensure that they hear the message and experience the transforming love of God. And so how does that manifest itself within me? Um, so that's how I understand, that's how I understand it. Um, my vision of my life is within the community of God. And that's what I seek to live right now, going towards that. We can, we can spin this yarn all day and go back and forth about the ideas of living there or living here. But then Jesus comes along in the in the gospel and which is according to Mark chapter four, verses twenty-six to thirty-four, and he speaks of the kingdom of God. And he says, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes with, in with his sickle, because the harvest has come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of the seeds on earth, yet when it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. Beautiful images. Obviously, um, also another well-known verse. We're playing the classics over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> Uh, 
But I'm most intrigued by this idea that the kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground. So like who's scattering the seed and why is the harvest so important? So is is God scattering the seed and trying to see how it's going to come out and then those that ripen up is taking away, kind of rapturing. What What's the central idea here? So, so what I understand again when I say, for example, what will be the ultimate reign at the end of time? Will it be the reign of the grave? Or would it be the reign of God? Now, that means this says to me, God's kingdom, the ideas and work of God's kingdom is being sown through, it has been sown through the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. It has been, been sown through the revelation of God in creation. It's been sown by the spirit of the kingdom of God. And when you look up what is the kingdom of, of God, then it's the essence of love. It's the essence of justice. It's the essence of peace. It's the essence of, uh, there's a psalm that says, beautifully says it, God establishes equity. Um, it is everything different to what we experience on the earth. And so it says that God's kingdom is present in its present reality is interacting with what the world has. It comes, and yes, so it's God's work, God's work on the earth alongside the systems of the world where there are seeds of other nature, where there are things that are, 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 that are being planted by all selfish, but is it all for the common good of all? Um, for example, um, drugs, uh, if you take this, it will put you on such a high and, you know, this high will promise you a better life and whatever else they say. So that's a seed planted. Once the seed is planted, will the person in whom is planted take growth? So what's the idea of God's reign? What's the idea? What's the essence of God's reign? Uh, the essence of God's reign is the seed is this. Is it, is it going to be able to be harvested for the common good? Or will the seed at the end of the day, the seed will sprout and grow when we don't know it and how it's done. So there's a mystery about the kingdom of God. Um, and sleep, we don't often have, the eyesight we have don't often reflect. We're not able to see the kingdom, uh, you know, in its, in its, in, in its holistic form. But... The seeds, the ideas, the, the essence of that is planted in the hearts and in the minds of people. Uh, it is planted through the narrative of the scriptures, the story as it's being told and lived by the church, um, alongside that which rules in the world. And we know, for example, that money rules. We know that Greed rules alongside money, power, wealth. We know that um, I was just thinking the other day of how um, conspiracy theorists were also sowing very interesting 
vaccine is that Bill Gates can control us. There are certain people controlling the world. So it's inevitably always about a rule and a way of living that celebrates God. What you asked me about godliness, it inspires godly living, a godly life. Um, Paul writes to the Romans and talks about us sharing in baptism, in the death and burial of Jesus, so that we share in his being risen, so that we can walk that is of the essence of the kingdom of God. And so once the, the seed of the idea of the kingdom is planted, are we able, therefore, to, to um, um, help its growth when we, in our way to the atmosphere, can either create something that's good for the benefit of all, or we can actually breathe toxicity into the world by the words mm -hmm. and the language we, the language of the kingdom of God. Jesus came and, and, and his pronouncement was good news. That was how he, what he breathed into the air, as it were. That's what he was seeking to, to make people aware of. And then he talks about liberation to those that are captive. And, um, and the jubilee year that he talks about. And so when he goes to the cross to die, that's how he furthers. Kingdom of God is all about the saving of humanity and the saving of creation so that we have an opportunity to become a new creation. So yes, this is the work of God. God at work when we sleep and when we rise. Do we notice this? signs of the kingdom, the call for the kingdom and the essence of the kingdom. And that's what, that's the narrative scripture helps us to develop and understand, believe and trust that the will of God in heaven will be the will of God on earth. So how do you package that for young people? You, we were speaking earlier and you were saying uh, today is the ninth baptism since the pandemic hit um and i i was saying <laughs> i was saying jokingly that you will have quite a few more you should <laughs> be picking yes up absolutely. Now absolutely as the as the covid babies have because i mean the birth rates have increased quite dramatically as they always do when humanity is in time of of stress of extreme pressure um how how do you package the, your idea of the kingdom of God to a a crowd that is more uh, responsive to visual media, um, like if it if there's no video evidence, like <laughs> it didn't happen, um, and a crowd that's become more cynical. But I was yeah. reflecting with my wife as well, where I think I always mention that the children of today, like my children and their friends are a lot more socially aware. Um, but I think that's because my generation grew up with parents who were in the transition phase between the old, like pre-70s kind of idea of gender relations um, and then the pre-apartheid idea or pre-freedom ideas of race relations um, and now like in the 80s and 90s the mother was also starting to work and there was less time that they could invest in the children um, 
And then our generation was like, no, we're going to have more, be more like hands-on kind of parents. So I think the benefits of that, the fruits of that is still going to be shown, but it is sprouting now to use the agrarian um, analogy. Uh, but yeah, how, how, do you, how do you package this idea of, of a kingdom of God that is better than the world we live in right now? You know, the, the, my response comes out of the baptism service. One is where parents are invited to consider the renunciation of all that is evil and all that corrupts. That renunciation is to, not to look for the devil behind every bush, but also to be aware and discerning. So, for example, I have to look in our world and see, for example, it could be that the, 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 the firm I work for, trees will go. What is going to replace the trees which we need? So, uh, uh, so, so edu education is important. We need to understand our world. So fostering a love for education, for reading, for positive, well-researched information, for conversation, and then for action around the renunciation. Um, we see a rise now in a constant rise in gender-based violence. We need to find out what's the root of gender-based violence. We need to find out how to care for one's um, uh, commitment to, to, to learning, to researching, to listening, and to saying of support in the family uh, that they are, you know, for example, well-trained, empathetic understanding police persons who can hear a victim and not ask stupid questions uh, like a man would ask so it's a change of a mindset uh, will we renounce this and in what way will we renounce this from birth where drugs are the issue and how do we address those things sensitively trying to win over those that are caught that has lived with us now for many many generations so what is meant in that reality? I was listening to a story, my daughter, to this masculine fraternity. You have to present yourself with grandness. And one of the ways to do that is to show that you have a beautiful girl on your arm. And so you've been touch of this woman. Eventually, the, you, you, you allow her to lose you in the crowd because somebody there is going to rape her that evening after giving the drugs. And the college would paint as a victim. In the meanwhile, the guy that brought you, the thing you have to live with. But the, how do we renounce that? So part of our living on this earth is to renounce that which is evil. The second part is in allegiance to God, what do we believe? I believe in trusting God who made the world. So I'm environmentally conscious. Will they getting enough for the earth? Will they plant enough? Are we building skyscrapers to form the new Garden of Eden? Whereas initially the Garden of Eden was life-giving stuff. Uh, how does these, but is that all that? Then we have to trust in a God who redeems us. The role of redemption in us, the, the, you know, we have the justice system. So life-giving, what am I doing that's giving life or am I subtracting from life?
Mm. Am I making my life, my family's life, other people's lives harder? Am I giving them no hope for life? So those are the ways that I think would, I would package. As, as again, I started with you when, when we were not recording in one of the workshops that I dealt with for baptism is to look at how the end, the, 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 the earthly calling all of God's creation, how did he get there? And baptism in which he was affirmed as a child of God, as a son of God to whom the world must listen, empowered by the spirit to face the end, brings about salvation for the for humanity. So I believe, and I know this is not necessarily congruent, not, not necessarily in, con, in, 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 um, in standing in opposition to what you think, because you want the world to be place. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jesus gives us <laughs> that in, in, in his work. So how do I work for what is the, what is the essence of salvation? What does the work of salvation do? Um, that can help us with this better world. What does God have to save me from, to save us from, in order for me to live a life now transformed as a new creation? I remember being in a conversation, you know, should the church embrace those who are, are um, homosexual and lesbian, gay? Um, because as many of the, the church People were saying, this is whom I identify my sexuality as, but will the church accept me? Because there's certain writings in the Bible that would that would be used to reject me. Mm. And yeah. so um, there was a pastor, um, Peter Oberolster, one person whom I have great respect for at Stellenbosch University and told the, the chaplain this was his journey and how the church's response was, well, we need to correct this behavior in every aspect of therapy that they offered him. He said the final one, how they put those things on the battery, shock him out of this when they showed. Then when he said this, shared this, this what's the name, and still believed in God and still, because Jesus saved me and I was homosexual for so many years and now I'm married and I've got a wife and children. And this is where I'm coming to what Peter says. Peter said, Peter says, my brother, I'm glad the Lord Jesus saved you for you to be the life you live in. But this is what Jesus to save me from anger towards myself. Mm. And that <laughs> statement blew the, my mind with regards to, so when Jesus saves us, because every time we were just hearing, Jesus saved us, saves our souls. That mm. brought a new perspective to the work that Jesus saved him not from his sexuality but from his anger towards himself. Now if Peter had been an angry person all his life, what devastation could have caused in his own life for his loved ones and for others? There was a pastor guiding people spiritually and and embracing those who felt whether we agree with the whole area of spirit of sexuality which is a mystery as most things are in life Mm. part of that work through the careers that i've chosen to do um and and how then am i going to raise my child to be able to do that so for me that is how i i would packages based on 
me working towards this goal that St. Paul spoke, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. It's the renunciation and allegiance. <laughs> Very well said. Um, yeah, it's a, it's obviously a constant source of conflict is this idea of how the LGBTQ group is accepted in the church and what the scripture has to say about it. Um, where, again, I like I try to teach my kids that no one should be able to dictate to you who you should, who you can fall in love with, you know? Um, yeah. And it shouldn't matter to anybody because that's not yeah. your relationship. It's like we were having a, my daughter was having some drama at school. I mean, they nine, 10 years old. And now there's like boyfriend and girlfriend kind of things happening. But to me, it sounded like her friend liked this boy. And then everybody found out and they kind of pressured the boy into the relationship, <laughs> in re relationship in air quotes. Um, and then apparently he was asked if he loves her. And he said no. And then this was devastating, obviously, to, to this little girl. Um, but my response was, one, it sounds like he was never given the choice. He was just like kind of playing along to, to guard her feelings. And then the other thing is, I was telling Isla, it's like, that's somebody else's relationship. Like, <laughs> you really shouldn't be listening to like stories that get carried on from like third parties or whatever, like just let them be, let them work their own stuff out. Um, it's between the two of them. And as that, if she's in a relationship with somebody, it's between her and the other person. But, but I, I think the, the that, that statement that says children must be seen and not heard, uh, that's true. But they hear everything that is being spoken when they are seen. So how can they then not have an input? But I want to add to this. It just says to me, uh, I think it's verse 14 of the Second Corinthians chapter, uh, passage we read, for the love of Christ controls us. Um, and that would engender us to be participant in a life. And I let, let, look, listen to that little story where the, the breakdown, the negative is the rejection that this boy had about loving this, this little girl. As her friends were trying to build up the fact that she loves him. Now, can't he be open enough to express that? And he comes with the negative that breaks this poor girl's heart. And so she knows at age 9, 10, that, that love doesn't necessarily, the other receives it. Hmm. Person and love generally, when someone along the line rejects your attention of love. And, and, and would, would that, young lady be so broken that she ends up angry, miserable. Mm. Um, and then you have an eye who is deeply concerned about and would 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 have an input because she's moved I the reality of the rejection. Alternately, what level of maturity is this young man at that he would even consider falling in love at age nine? Where do these young ladies come with this dynamic? There, I I don't know. It's it's a 
The parenting is a weird thing. It's a it's a absolutely. And I I know my daughter invests in the drama, so it's it's always just to like temper and tell her like, this is not your life. <laughs> if it's not your life, you shouldn't be getting involved. Um, but of course, all of this is um, ahead of uh, June the 16th, which is Youth Day in South Africa. I hope everyone has a lovely day and reflects on uh, the state of the youth right now. Obviously, employment um, challenges are there and various others. But yeah, just spare a thought for your younger self. <laughs> Um, and the young people around oh. you. And on that, I will close. And Father, if you could please add a few more thoughts and then extract a few points of reflection from the praise of the church. Add, Lindsay, that, but I just add that on the 16th of June, we will be licensing um, Reverends Ningi and, and Valette um, on that day at 10 o'clock at St. Mark's. And as we think of this pence of five million doses because it's run its cause of expiry and we think of the many millions needing needing that so much and the utter waste and we think of wastage around the world and other resources benefited and so we raise the sadness before god we think of the country and the world reaching a new level of hope that we learn, Lord, from why it is a, it is like this because we've chosen to be complacent. Um, keep us aware, Lord, of our responsibility at this time for each other. COVID, Lord, has challenged us severely, and as we think of not just third waves and new waves we think of the variants that are being discovered and a, a newer variant that could actually also of life savior of the nations COVID is humbling but your grace is sufficient the deaths we mourn and for the recoveries we give thanks for compliance we plead, and for common good we pray, in the healing name of Jesus. We pray also into the situation of the increasing crisis around violence and gender-based violence. The young lady, Lord, in um, Kailitsa was, was murdered. And so, dear God of steadfast love, we call upon you in the day of our trouble, troubled by the daily reality of violence, the injured wallow as victims, and those murdered, their blood cries from their graves. Give them and us victory over this evil, and make a new day of holiness dawn for your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Our prayer is that you may continue to empower your church to agree in the truth of your holy word and live in unity and love. We pray that those who minister to the church may minister in such a way that 
your glory is revealed and that the enlightenment of your spirit in all places of work, learning, and healing and the may be the reality of the planting of your seeds of your kingdom. And then for all who are sick, troubled, sorrow, grieved, and mourning, they by your compassionate love may experience comfort and healing. For our God bless Africa, God our children and guide our leaders, giving us peace for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. And then as we conclude the service with a blessing, go out and live no longer for yourself, but for him who died and was raised for walk by faith and not and judge others only by the integrity of their hearts. Make it your aim to please the Lord and persuade others of the love of Christ. May God answer you in times of trouble and protect you. May Christ Jesus grant you your heart's desire. May the Holy Spirit take hold of you mightily from this day forward. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen. We thank you very much for joining this podcast. I hope that it has blessed for you as it is for us on a week-to-week basis. Thank you, Lindsay, for his energy and his wisdom in guiding us in this. I must say that I did get a very, very positive feedback about uh, uh, this podcast, the podcasts. A very excited young man tunes in to listen to it. And so we long for feedback from you uh, to grow this ministry. God bless.